You Decipher podcast, where we explore the ins and outs of university life and unpack what it means to be a disciple on campus. I'm Sister Mary Helen. And I'm Father Nicholas Pierce. Today we have some great guests with us. They're both priests in this National Vocations Awareness Week. Father Paul Rouse, welcome. Thanks, Father Nick. Thanks, Sister. Lovely to be with you both. And Father Joel Peart. G'day. We've got um, we've got a uh, one religious and two Dominican. Oh, <laughs> we do. We've well, got two no, Dominicans. We're both religious. And we've got two religious. <laughs> <laughs> two diocesan. Two diocesan. Priests. <laughs> two religious. Too much going on. Three priests. Uh, one uh, sister. Anyone would think I've never done this before. Uh, <laughs> Father Paul, you're the parish priest at St. Dominic's, East Camberwell. Correct. And you've just moved back to Melbourne after a bit of time. Tell us a bit about yourself. So the, the bit of time away has just been uh, rounding off a PhD, which I've just finished. Uh, otherwise, I'm lecturing part-time at the Theological College in New Testament, uh, but the parish is very demanding. It's, it's about uh, COVID recovery, which has yet to happen, so... That's my first and, and most important responsibility. And it's a, um, it's a very important parish to me. It's where I celebrated my first Mass as a priest. Uh, it was a very important parish to my, my, my family, my, my father's side in particular. So Your grandmother was My there, grandmother was yeah, a long-time yeah. parishioner. So uh, she, she used to say that she was very disappointed that I didn't become a Dominican. We are too, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> so, and Father Joel, a diocesan priest. How many years have you been at home now? It'll be seven, seven in September. Years. Yeah, and you're working out at the parish at Caroline Springs. Correct. Recently what? appointed assistant priest there. One of our largest parishes. Correct. Uh, and your parish priest is away at the moment, so he you're you you running the show. The cat is away. You, mo- um. you moved in and he moved out. What does what does that tell you? Anything? <laughs> That's right. I don't know, but no. Look, um, uh, we work well together. He's a good man, and uh, it's a beautiful parish. Praise God. And it's National Vocations Awareness Week, so we wanted to spend some time talking about vocation, but in particular today we're going to talk about the priesthood, but sister, right. the sisters might get a bit of a mention. We might, down the track. In the meantime, sisters really have a great, uh, um, I don't know, part in your vocation actually, because we pray for you, that, that whole spiritual motherhood thing um, we take very seriously, so... I'm happy to just be here and listen to the wisdom. <laughs> well, I think it's there is a lovely synergy between all vocations and all mm-hmm. states of life, and the the whilst the commitments and the lifestyles might differ, and we're going to talk about that today, mm-hmm. sort of how how uh, vocations are lived out in different ways, but um, together we build up the holiness of the church, and that that prayer is a really important part of it. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's, the sisters are great uh, witnesses to us as well. Sisters make priests holy most of the time. Mm. Or remind us when we're not being holy. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're better at that. (laughs) I have much to learn from you, sister. No, no, no. (laughs) You're listening to the You Disciple podcast, where we put the you in disciple. So we have been asking all our guests, where do you think you put the you in disciple? Um, Any guesses? We get <laughs> you ask Dominicans. Father Paul, if, oh, if this was I'm, I'm playing Wheel of Fortune <laughs> here, I'm trying to look at the spelling. <laughs> of the if, if this was a video podcast, you'd be seeing this complete perplexed look on Father Paul because he obviously wasn't listening to the ad break in no. his headphones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Andrew says you put the you in, we put the oh. you in disciple. Oh, nice, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's like where exactly? It's at the front. You disciple, go. You be a disciple. 
very hip and happening, isn't it? So <laughs> that's <laughs> this, is, old, yeah. this is the banter <laughs> beyond beyond the banter segment. Um, so we wanted to talk today about priesthood, mm-hmm. and I sp- there's lots of young young people out there who are who are questioning and asking questions, and discernment is a big one. Father Paul, you've worked on university campuses before. You've worked with young people. Father Joel, uh, you do a lot of great work with young people as well. Um, how did you guys discern your vocation? Like, what, what, what? How did it all start? I can go first. Um, started since corner to say my baptism, but more so, my family raised me in the faith. Um, regular mass and. As I got older as well, um, mum became quite devotional and uh, so prayer was a big part of our our growing up, rosaries at home and things like that. So great witness to the faith around me. Um, and so to make, yeah, the decision, well, to think about it firstly was was kind of a natural progression. Um, was an altar server as well for most of my younger years. And so, yeah, thinking about being a priest was something that I did, I reckon, first at about 10 years old um, in a very small way, but then very very seriously after some prayer and discernment and some encouragement by some other good young priests who witnessed so beautifully um, to uh, to the sacred ministry, um, I, yeah, discerned and decided to join the seminary back in 2005 at the age of 20, 21, 22. Wow. Father Paul, was it similar for you? So there are points of commonality there. So my family are Catholic like Father Joel's. Uh, but we became non-practicing at some point during my primary schooling. And so I remember by the time I became more involved in the church, it, it was a restart of my faith. It was a, a personal commitment, not necessarily just kind of tumbling along through you know, whatever the family was up to. Uh, the the uh, extra feature of my own story is that I, I explored many different religious orders as well as my local diocese and started whittling it down over a long period of time, which actually was not the best way to go. We can talk about that soon, <laughs> of course. But uh, So the, I eventually settled on the Dominicans after a very long and confusing discernment process. Uh, and for me, just finding somewhere to hang my vocational hat was a, an important part of the, the, the process. So trying to set out a, a set of criteria or evaluate what I was seeing, that, that was a, a very human process, but one that I, I had to take on as an adult, really, one that I was coming back into. And I've got a similar story to that. So I think it's really interesting because like, people often think that everyone sort of travels the same path. But if you had have told the 15-year-old me that priesthood was even on the cards, it would never have, it would never have been... Um, it wasn't even in my imagining. I was lucky enough. I went to World Youth Day. We were talking about World Youth Day with the Archbishop a couple of weeks back. Um, I had that sort of really wonderful experience of the faith, the example of my grandmother and other sort of influential people, and then this idea of priesthood sort of wouldn't go away. But it, yeah, I think it speaks to us that God works through different ways with different people. Mm. Uh, Can I ask a random question? Yeah. Okay, just because, you know, I've never discerned priesthood, thank God. But I, uh, the whole idea, this concept of, um, for me, discerning, it's about this exclusivity, this exclusive, I kind of, it goes around the vows of I'm called this exclusive relationship with the Lord. Um, but with the priesthood, that call is, is different, right? I don't know. I mean, it's still exclusively belonging to the Lord, but there's this extra piece of service of ministry, I don't know. And like, how would you even categorize that? Like, is that something 
specific when you're called to priesthood? I think the ladies have an easier job of it because when, <laughs> when they're discerning a celibate vocation, they think so much of themselves as spouses of Christ. Right. And so d- total devotion, especially in one's affective life mm. to the Lord, is very easy to conceive of. It's mm. a little harder for men because we have to think of the Lord as, as brother or as self. Mm. So for me personally, I didn't really in- encounter that idea until I became a priest. The afternoon or evening after I was ordained, I had this very strong sense that I was now Christ. I wasn't the Christ, but I was relating to people now as him mm. through his his word. Uh, so I'm the phony, he's the original, <laughs> but I'm happy to do my part in, in his mission, mm. yeah, which is something that, as I say, only came to the fore really as a priest. Wow. Yeah, I, it was deeply personal and it took me years to work out what it was. Mm. So I think it was more a knowing that something was there mm. and then sort of filtering through. And for me, it was running away from it and trying lots of other options and trying to convince myself that I would be happy doing something else mm. and then sort of going, okay, I've tried almost everything else on my list, yet this is still here. Mm. What is it? Mm. Uh, I think, Father Paul, what you were saying I think this is where for young men in particular, the example of other priests becomes really important as well and that sense of brotherhood and the... So we don't have that spousal sort of sort of vocation, but there is this real modelling of priesthood. And so for me, it was this, this... As I whittled down and I tried lots of other things, I, I went, well, wait a minute, who are, who are the people in my life who do seem happy and do seem to be doing and who have had this influence? Wait a minute okay, maybe I am being called to be like them. And so I think for us that, that um, I, I don't know, Father Joel, was, you mentioned that there was, there was some examples of good priests mm. in your life. Did they stand out particularly in your discernment process? Yeah, I'd say absolutely. One, just well, witness to the faith and uh, was just a holy priest. Um, and that's what actually got me back into, well, the faith properly. And when I say that... Um, going to more regular mass so not just mass on sunday but you know mass during the week so having a guess developed a love of the eucharist through that um but also making a good confession for the first time in a while so at at about 18 19 still remember the day um yeah he didn't muck around god bless him (laughs) father des burn god rest his soul i should say um yeah it was fantastic and then later on so that fired me up in the faith um and then seeing i suppose a younger fella so it was interesting that the priest was recently ordained was one that actually said why don't you join the seminary and that that contemporary i guess i could relate to a little more but um but father des was on the verge of retirement when um when he got me so the idea that <laughs> only young priests can inspire young people and be relatable is um is 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 hooey because um it's about holiness um first and foremost so i'd say for us priests we need to be good examples um and i guess be present uh to young people to help them discern but if you're a young person discerning yeah maybe get yourselves around religious and priests to uh to see whether you might well have a model and, and an inspiration that you could uh, you could follow yeah and i had a really good parish priest uh who was much older and i thought was a bit strange but there was no doubt and i was actually able to say at my ordination dinner and he was there and i i thanked him and i said we never once spoke about the priesthood but i knew in you that you loved the priesthood and still to this day, and he's, he still continues to inspire young men to enter the seminary into the priesthood. But 
I was too afraid ever to have the conversation with him. Mm. The first conversation I had with him about the priesthood was after I'd been accepted for the seminary. So I found other younger priests that I could could have spiritual direction with and that I could chat about my discernment with, but it was his example mm. that we never had to speak about it because it was so clear that this was an older man who um, was so in love with the priesthood and so loved the church that there was something in him that we didn't even have to speak about it. I think one of the common questions, and I looked at the Dominicans primarily because my grandmother used to give me Dominican sort of vocations pamphlets. <laughs> um, one of the most common questions I get as a diocesan priest is how do you discern between diocesan priesthood or religious life or even amongst congregations? So, Father Paul, you spoke about the fact that you looked at a number of congregations. What did it look like for you, that discernment process? Sure. So uh, the the principal difference between diocesan and religious priesthood in effect is community. There might be a whole lot of other things that might instantiate depending on which institute a particular person joins. But to be aware so much of the demands of, of the other people where we live. So there's that fraternity question we, we spoke about before. For us that fraternity continues, perseveres all through our life. Uh, we have elder brothers who provide wisdom, younger brothers who provide enthusiasm. So that, that encouragement and nourishment formation is there and lifelong. Uh, for, for me personally, I, I looked for a, a religious order which was devoted to community. I was very concerned and remain concerned for priests when they come home to an empty house. And I, I think that for me that would be a, a very great challenge. I, I'm not an extrovert, but I happen to like people. So I, I find that particular thing really important. I'm an extrovert and I don't like people. So <laughs> we're, a, we're a perfect match. Look, you can excuse yourself any time. Well, sister will press the, the stop button whenever you're ready. I think the, the other two big things for the order was our commitment to the liturgical life and to study. So the, these two things feeding off one another, they are in effect contemplation and action. Uh, and for me, that was a very important part of it. I, I was able to see intelligent men applying their, their good minds to really important life's qu- questions of life, life's questions. Uh, so finding that in the order was liberating and, and a real joy. So you, you mentioned, a couple of you mentioned, in fact, the suspicion that you have lifelong about this priesthood thing, even if the, the water is murky in, in one's mind, the certainly having this idea, clear idea, that maybe this is something worth exploring is something we should hit on to encourage people to really allow that to come to the fore. If it's there, it's not necessarily random. It might be a, a work of the Holy Spirit in you. Uh, certainly for me, that, that was always there, you know, that, that suspicion of oneself. And it becomes this little secret that you don't want to tell anybody for fear <laughs> that you, know, you might be branded an oddbod like your parish priest. Yeah. Whoever he may be. I hope he's not listening to you. He doesn't listen to podcasts, <laughs> so I think we're pretty safe. I think, pretty safe. <laughs> I think one of the things that uh, often gets put before us is this juxtaposition of diocesan priests live on their own, religious priests live in communities. And like so Father Joel, you don't live on your own. You're living with another priest. I'm living on my own at the moment, but I've lived with other priests. Um, generally, religious congregations live in communities. And so I often say, young guys, it's not whether or not you're going to live alone or not, but it is about where your first call is. And so that's always been my general understanding about religious life is that whilst you may have ministries and and work and occupations and you're out of your community, that first call still is to be a man of the community. Is that 
accurate. I've been saying it for 15 years, so I, I hope it is. But we're, and then we're for the diocesan priest, it's that our first call is to the people, the ministry, the parish, wherever we're serving, and the community sort of supports that. I mean, I'm, I'm in an unusual position because I have both of those vocations. Yeah. Uh, and, and there is a tension there for what it's worth. So devoting myself entirely to my community because of my vows and, and my love for the brothers and also equally and more intensely perhaps uh, to the, the people, yeah. uh, the people who live in the parish of East Camberwell. So oh, I, I think that's that's another one that people sort of say, well, diocesan priests are parish priests and religious congregations aren't parish priests. It's like, well, no, Father Paul's both. Like, I think trying to... Av- as a point of discernment, I, I don't think those distinctions are helpful because, yeah, like you, you've ended up being a parish priest and Father Joel's not a parish priest and things like that. So <laughs> I'm whilst I'm a parish priest, I'm, I'm primarily working in specialist ministry. So um, I generally encourage people when they're looking at religious life or the priesthood not only to look at the work that someone does but to look at look at what it is that they're being called to first and foremost. Sister, is this the same with religious life for women, sort of when it comes to discerning charisms? Like how do you start discerning between, like how did you discern between the Dominicans of Nashville and other religious com- congregations for women? Sheesh. Well, yeah, we, we talk about wouldn't it be great if there was this catalogue and then came the internet and that just made it worse. Um, so not really. Uh, I think... Charism for sure. I was I was going to pick up on charism there, and even just what community life. We got two Dominicans at the table, right? So we have some similarities in the way we live. So when we talk community life, we mean we pray the office together, we sing it in choral office together several times a day. We um, we have all sorts of monastic practices in the way that our houses are structured. We have certain types of prayer. So there's like the community aspect is not just that there's other people in the house. There's a whole charism and and in and our case, 800-year history and, of... And sharing of life. So yeah. there's, there's recreation that we might have, meals together, so yeah. that there's a, a mutual involvement of oneself in, in the life of the whole, yeah. which is nourishing and good. Yeah, it's good. Anyway, so that's what, I don't know, that's my thought. But So then in that, for women, I mean, people... Women's communities are quite different from each other, quite, quite different from each other. Um, and say, like a Dominican community... It's got an 800-year history. It's come out of a monastic realm and it, it holds a lot of those practices still where a lot of the congregations that were later more focused on the particular work perhaps um, and then they they don't have those monastic practices. So they're quite two different things to discern. I don't know. And would there have to be, I guess... We can romanticise religious life very much, especially as diocesan priests. Um, there is something very beautiful about it. Would you have to have an inspiration to Thomas Aquinas, St Dominic, and just be on fire for that love, and then it becomes instantiated? Would you want to see that first in somebody? It's like, mm. I, I, yeah. I mm. guess the saints are something that I find very inspirational. I love their lives and preaching about them. Um but uh, but I, w- I would think, and the times that I did think about becoming uh, a um, a religious, 
very fleetingly, um, <laughs> was because of their of their lives. And believe it or not, the Jesuits like they seem to be all my favourite saints. Um, the martyrs of North America and uh, those in Reformation England, and and that's one of the reasons why I might be prompted to go down that path. I wonder whether that sort of has to be there, or was it there for you guys? Uh, for many young friars, at least, uh, men will either uh, meet a, f- a friar or saint or read one. Uh, many of us would read our way into the order simply by encountering the works of St Thomas or being inspired by the zeal of St Dominic, and, and you mentioned some others. Uh, or we, we meet individuals and we're really inspired by them. So that, that same kind of personal encounter that you were talking about before still counts for religious life. Uh, very often, though, it's diffused by meeting the community mm-hmm. so that the you don't just meet a friar, we hope. I mean, you, you happen to be today, but that's beside the point. Uh, <laughs> but you know, when you come to one of our priories, you're meeting the whole of the, the community, therefore the whole way that we do things, the way we think, the way we share our life. Uh, so it's, it's not just that priesthood can be instantiated in a particular way with us, that you are meeting the community, you're meeting the way that we do things. Mm. And I think there is a similar similarity there with the diocese or the diocesan priesthood is that you you may be inspired by one particular priest but you are joining a diocese you're joining a presbyterate and so there was a big part in my discernment and I looked at the Dominicans I looked at the Salesians I looked at uh, the Vincentians but there was also a call to minister in Melbourne there was a real sense in in my call that there was something about this location and so for the diocesan priesthood there is a certain level of stability of place that religious priests don't necessarily have you've lived in oxford you've lived in sydney you've now in melbourne have you been in adelaide brisbane adelaide. brisbane adelaide so wow. um so that connection for the diocesan priest uh whilst it's not necessarily in a, a particular house or a community there is there is still that connection to place and to the bishop and, and to the, the presbyterate that we enter into. Yes, and, and our commitment maps that, but in a much bigger field. So my Dominican province takes in four countries in the South Pacific, Australia, New Zealand, the Solomons and Papua New Guinea. And so in theory, I could be assigned anywhere within that territory. Belonging to an international order means that there are opportunities overseas. So that the commitment to one place is another big important difference between mm-hmm. the diocese and a religious order. Uh, we, we are called to the church, not to a church. Yeah. I think that includes the good and the bad. <laughs> Challenges. Um, and what, what are the bad news? <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's I, what is this bad you speak? <laughs> but, but, uh, and I think, Father Paul, you were sort of saying about meeting the community. I think that's one of the big bits of advice is go and visit yes. communities. Like visit, experience the life. Whether it's at a come and see weekend or whether it's by personal invitation or whether it's by entering into a program like even if it is sort of like a pre-novitiate or some kind of sort of formative program prior to going to seminary but immersing yourself in the life and meeting the community because sometimes we can idealize religious life or the priesthood um and we see the all the good things but there is some bad (laughs) not in the dominicans of course (laughs) Don't get me started. (laughs) (laughs) But just to take your good point a little further, there's no need necessarily for it to be a formalised program at the very beginning. Yeah. So, you know, we've been speaking so often about encountering a real living person as an important part of discernment. 
seeing our community in action would be a, a, another way that that happens. Sidling up to religious life or where, where those houses are and trying to join in or receive from what they do is, is part of this. For example, that we have morning and evening prayer each day in the church so there's no reason to think that somebody couldn't, with complete anonymity, shall we say, come in and just pray the office with us. Be most welcome. And then over time, someone will probably try and meet you and bring you a habit. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the things as well, and so Father Joel, you spoke about confession. Father Paul, you're talking about morning prayer and evening prayer. I think seeing the priest outside of mass. Yes, I, I was going to ask that. We had some hmm. students who were saying earlier. Yes. Yeah, about like life is more than just the liturgy. And I, in my previous parish, I had a, a parishioner who came up after me after mass once. She said, Father, I'm just a bit worried about you. You're so painfully shy. <laughs> <laughs> and I said... Wow, I said, a bad judge of I character. Said, <laughs> I've been accused of many things in my life, but painfully she has not one. But I realised that she only ever saw me celebrate liturgy. She only ever saw me celebrate the Mass. And because I, I celebrate Mass, hopefully, with a certain level of decorum and reverence and it's not a big sort of party, she thought I was just painfully shy. And I'm like, come and, come and meet me after Mass. Let's have a chat. Let's... Um, but I think that's the same in our discernment uh, of, of a vocation is like immersing ourselves in the life of, of religious life or the priesthood beyond the mass, beyond the liturgy and seeing what the rest of the life entails because priests are people too. Like we have <laughs> general interests. <laughs> Father Paul, what happens outside of the liturgy, outside of the divine office? What, what's, what's some of the secret life of the Dominicans that we wouldn't see uh, in the church? Well, at, uh, at the moment, this morning I attended a meeting to discuss the development of the intellectual life in our province, which means preparing men for the, some of our existing friars for their further studies. So meetings. Meetings. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's, it's, it's a, a means to an end. Meeting, yeah. Meetings are a necessary evil. They should be kept to a minimum and always timed. Once the, meet, once the time is up, the meeting stops. Uh, anyway, that's, that's just you know, what I happen to think. Yeah. My little two-cent rant. Um, I, I also, tonight, for example, am meeting a bride to prepare her for marriage. Uh, her fiancé is overseas at the moment for reasons of COVID and family. Uh, there's a set of baptisms on Sunday. There are people who, therefore, are prepared for those sacraments over time. Uh, so certainly as a parish priest, very much of that is the, the front face of the church. So the liturgy is where things happen and then all of the things that support actually the celebration of the liturgy. Uh, my parish happens to need a great deal of renewal, so there are lots of pastoral initiatives which are about to begin, uh, foremost of which I need a parish pastoral council. So I've got to begin that process with my, <laughs> my most loyal and best parishioners. Um, so that, that's, a, that's an adventure and something to look forward to, but it is an important part of the priesthood. That it, there's a lot of back-of-house stuff that people don't get to see. Uh, and if there was a work experience, you know, just following a priest around, shadowing him, I think for a certain kind of person would be quite fascinating you'd be soon aware of how much we do. Uh, yeah. What about the fun? Fun stuff? Father Joel, do you have any fun? Or is it? I have a lot of fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> saying mass every day is really fun. That's <laughs> no, fun. It's Re great. Record podcast. But, uh, yes, exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, when you're with people, I suppose, well, you can make it as, as fun or not as you want in many ways. But uh, so that's always, that's a good part of the job. Um, but yeah, if you're, Referring this, there's times we get to catch up. The fraternity amongst the priests is so important. When we get together, it's always a good time. Um, 
thanks be to God, we have some good good mates and good priest friends that are very supportive and, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. allow that uh, allow us to let our hair down, so to speak. And I, yeah, have a lot of interests. Um, golf. Golf. What's I like golf. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Apparently, if it's below 12, you're not focusing on your parish enough. <laughs> and it's probably... Well, eight, and what's and, yours? Well, it's probably eight. nine or ten, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but no, 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 we, uh, it, we enjoy that. Um, we usually get a... What does someone say? Priests don't have a day off. They have a rest day. How are the kangaroos going at the moment? Oh, <laughs> terribly, terribly. So it's great. It's one thing that's not taking out my time watching any football um, <laughs> because they're, yeah, bleedingly bad. But uh, only one way to go, and that's up for the Roo boys. So. <laughs> I used to say that um, there's a reason why vocations officers and vocations posters uh, always revert to cliches. Like, so every year a vocations poster comes out and it's a guy walking on the sand or it's someone on the top of a mountain gazing out towards the distance. And it's because the stuff that actually really inspires you as a priest, you could never put on a poster. Like the stuff mm. that actually really makes you at the end of the day go, thank God I'm a priest, <laughs> is the stuff that we, we can't talk about. And so we talk about meetings and we talk about youth groups and we, we when we, like the liturgy is obviously at the heart of it, but the fact that we're invited into the really personal parts of people's lives and we're there when people are born and when people die and we're there with couples who are struggling in their marriages or having problems with their children. Um, the confessional, like you can't adequate, you could even, it just putting a photo of a priest on the confession in a confessional isn't enough to adequately describe the real, the real grace of, of that. And like, that's the stuff that makes, makes the priesthood real. And that's why we always revert to sort of, speaking in cliches and so and the hard thing about that is that even as a seminarian like you don't get there's nothing you can do to prepare yourself like as as you progress through your discernment you get you get introduced and people start to trust you because you may be a brother or you're a seminarian but it's not until you're a priest so um the closest thing you have is from your reliance on the priesthood so um and that's where I think the confessional is a really important place to foster a vocation because if you know your need of a priest, then you're going to know the need of priests. Uh, and the other piece of advice that was given to me was go to mass. Like, and yeah. I think when we're talking about sort of that, what inspires the priest and like in that early stage, like that unity with the mass mm-hmm. and sort of being there. And there was, when I was discerning, there was this, post uh, a book that um had a picture of a guy on a date holding um the bread plate over to his girlfriend and then it sort of cut in half and then it was a picture of him at mass picturing himself being a priest holding the chalice <laughs> do you remember that one was it did it work <laughs> I, I do i think it was yeah it was a quirky little book um but it was actually it was actually very great it and was very great grounded book. but the cover of it was yes actually he's sitting there across the table from a from a girl, it's a cartoon. P- pretending he's to holding, say he's mass. He's a wine glass with. You oh, know, it's a wine glass. Yeah, it's a wine glass, and in, in his mind, he's thinking about elevating the chalice <laughs> at mass. I thought that's gold. But I think there is that yeah. thing, like if you're at mass yeah. and like this is the moment where the Lord comes to you most deeply, yeah. um, and unites Himself with you. Like that's the moment where He's really going to be speaking to you about your vocation. So I think that's where I find myself most praying for priests because often I'll go up to to communion, and it will happen that. I'll be receiving communion, but on the way there, sometimes I just 
think of that um, series of priestly hands going back to Christ. Like so, because you're going, re- you're really receiving it from Him. But for the Lord to give Himself to me, like today in communion, this priest is standing here because that priest and that priest and that priest, and you have this whole line, um, and just this necessity like for that to keep happening for me to keep receiving the Lord. And not someone has to stand there. Someone has to be in place. So, yeah, there's that urgency to it. And it's that moment in ordination ceremonies where we, all the priests come and lay hands on the head. Like I think of the poignant moments I remember from my own ordination, it was that. It was that, okay, the bishop ordains, but then every priest present comes forward and lays hands. And that, so yeah. again, there is that succession Chain. from mm-hmm. the apostles, but also that, that unity um, amongst the priests um, if you had one piece of advice to give to a young man who was asserting a vocation to the priesthood or religious life, what would it be? Sister, we'll start with you. Oh, end with me, I can't Okay, please. we'll come back to sister. <laughs> Father Joel. <laughs> Go to Mass every day. Obviously that might not be possible for some people, but I think that's... um. Yeah, speaking about the Eucharist and love of that, that's going to have to be literally at the heart of it. It should be at the heart of all our lives, but particularly for the priest. Um, and so you can foster that and you will. Um, it's one of those things, the more you do, the more you love it when it comes to the comes to the Mass. So, yeah, do that. Yeah. Um, and the year my discernment went from sort of 50% to 100% was the year I started going to daily Mass. Crazy. It was just like, if you want... If you want to know what the Lord wants in your life, go to Mass. If you don't, stay away from Mass. I'm, so I think. I'd say I stole it, but I, th- I think it was surprisingly when Robert Barron, I think, was asked that, just said, young man, ask a question. One of these YouTube things, he just goes, start going to Mass every day. It's like, bang, there you go. Father Joel, our own Bishop oh. Barron. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful. He's on fire. no original thought, Father I guarantee Joel on you. Fire. <laughs> Father Paul? I think the one thing that I would offer as a religious is, is to encourage young people to think of their vocation as specific. That is that God has chosen something for them and the, the process of discernment is about discovery, uh, perhaps arriving at a realisation as to what has already been presented to you. So if it's specific, then it has certain details that you can test and uncover over the course of time. Uh, it doesn't necessarily require you to know everything about the the place, group, whatever that you might be joining, it just requires you to keep trying to find out more about it. So it's an adventure of discovery. To a certain extent too, that that particular act of discovery, the quest of discovery can can be entirely lifelong, realising the depths of what God has called you to. And in that sense, it's a a loving, holy thing because you're, you're in the will of God. And so if you're obedient to what God wants, if you're trying to be faithful, you will eventually be happy. You, what God wants will make you happy. Yeah, mine would be similar to that. It's like, don't know too much. Like, I was asked last year, I think it was, or the year before, about what I think the hardest thing about discerning a vocation now compared to our generation is. And I thought, it's because you you know too much. Like, with the internet, with with blogs, with podcasts, with books, with articles, with YouTube channels, there's just so much information. I knew so little about the seminary that mm-hmm. I went into um, but there was a trust. There was a level of, okay, Lord, you're asking me to do this. I'm going to step out in faith and do it. And I now look back and go, I really, what was I thinking? But I just, I think there's so much information out there now that people are paralyzed we, into yes, making you, a decision. You, you say uh, 
too much knowledge, but perhaps too much of a certain kind of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, there's only, as you said before, there's only so much we can put on vocations literature, only so much you'll, you'll gather from a first meeting. Actually, that, that long, slow process of just acquaintance and familiarity and friendship uh, provides a much stronger foundation for discernment than Google. I think my, my, my absolute advice would be find a spiritual director whose opinion you trust more than your own. I needed my spiritual director after 12 months to say to me, it's time for you to go to and see the vocations director. And I trusted his judgment more than my own. Mm. And, and that whole tradition of having a spiritual father, and I suppose that's my thing about lots of knowledge. We, we can listen to Robert Barron and we can listen to Mike Schmitz and we listen to the You Disciple podcast and we listen to all these things, but there's no one voice that we, we trust above the others. And I think it's really good to have all of that knowledge and to do all the research and to visit all the communities, but find a spiritual guide, find a spiritual father um, whose opinion you trust more than your own and 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 listen to him because God and will speak through him. And certainly just trying to articulate to a third person what God might be doing in your life is a very good exercise. Yeah. Just trying to, to say, I think God might be calling me, and, and the person says, well, why do you think that? <laughs> and so trying to in, not invent what I was going to say, but, but to arrive at a set of reasons for why you think a certain thing and to have those things tested, you know, that, that's a very sound process. It's, a, it's the stuff of discernment. Mm-hmm. Sister, we come to you for the final word. Advice for a young man, in particular, discerning a vocation. I think you can't discern everything outside the seminary, and that's why they exist. You're going to have to just, if God is prompting, and the the doors are opening, walk through, and you will know once you're there what's next. This is the You Disciple podcast. For more information on what's happening on a campus near you, go to udisciple.melbournecatholic.org. You almost got the final word, sister. I'll have it now. You'll have it now. September 6th, we're so going to have an event for women. Yes. Yes. And we might do one of this with a group of women religious before that. Ooh. We're making the podcast Challenge. up on the fly. Okay, yeah, no, but you can see us to September 6th here, JP2 House. And just remember that Monday the 15th of August is the Feast of the Assumption, Holy Day of Obligation in Australia. Only one of two that we have left. So uh, be there. Sunday, Monday, back to back uh, at Mass. <laughs> but otherwise, uh, check out the website for all the details of what's happening on campus and around the Archdiocese. Uh, World Youth Day... You heard the Archbishop speak about it. Uh, the launch was great. 500 young people to the Archdiocese. So that's www.udisciple.com slash World Youth Day, W-Y-D. You can express your interest right there. Yeah, get, get on board. Mm-hmm. Father Paul, Father Joel, thanks very much. Thanks Pleasure. for having us. Yes, yeah. wonderful. Fantastic. God bless. Whether you've been listening to us on the tram, in the library, or on your way to class, thanks for listening to this week's You Disciple podcast. Share, like, and subscribe, and we hope to see you on and around campus.
The You Disciple Podcast is a production of the Catholic Archdiocese of Melbourne.